This week on the Docs to Dads podcast, we are going to continue our discussion of trauma-informed parenting and talk about how you as a dad can be the one safe, stable, and nurturing relationship that your child needs to thrive. That may seem intimidating, but you can do it. Start today with listening to episode 40 of the Docs to Dads podcast. Hello and welcome to the Docs to Dads podcast, a health and wellness resource for any dad looking to actively engage with their health, the health of their children, and building a stronger, healthier community around their family. Each week, Dr. Scott, a board-certified pediatrician, will explore topics relevant to child health and how dads can be an active participant in their growth, development, and other issues that affect children and the whole family. Welcome back, dads. Last week, you got a short introduction to adverse childhood experiences, trauma-informed care, and what kids need in order to thrive. I want to dive a bit deeper into that over the next few weeks, starting with how and why dads can step up and be the one safe, stable, nurturing relationship that their kids need in order to thrive. Before we jump in, I'd love it if you took a moment to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player and send the podcast to one dad in your network who could use a little bit of support. I'm trying to reach an entire generation of dads who are trying to step up and be great dads for their kids, and I can't do it by myself. I need your help. So thanks for being part of our community and helping us grow. So let's jump into it. When we talk about adversity and stress, we know that there are three primary kinds of stress that we can talk about. Positive stress, tolerable stress, and so-called toxic stress. Your child is going to feel stress every day. And our goal is not to remove every type of stress that your child can feel. This sometimes gets lost in some of the gentle parenting circles of 2022. Uh, But some of this stress is necessary for our kids to learn and grow. Positive stress is the stress that we feel when we're about to take a big exam or we're taking on some new challenge. It's the stress that I feel every time I push record to record one of these episodes for you guys. Uh, It's the stress I feel when there's a code called overhead at the hospital and I'm I'm on my way to see what health problem is is facing uh, the child that triggered them to call the code, right? When our child is facing that kind of positive stress, right, whether it's uh, some kind of maybe a conflict on the playground, it can start really simple, or certainly once they start school, there's going to be exams and projects and book reports and all kinds of other things that kids might be faced. And these are all what we call positive stressors, positive experiences that help our kids learn and to grow. And we should resist the urge to try to remove that stress from our lives or like take care of it for them, right? Those are the stresses that our kids need to develop some resilience and to learn how to handle some of the challenges that come up along the way. Uh, In that sense, you want to resist the urge to, to take that stress away because it's good stress that kids are learning from. But sometimes there's stress that's not helping your kids learn and grow, or at least it's pushing the limits of their coping skills. And this is what we call tolerable stress. This can come from various types of adversity that affect the way that your child interacts with uh, their colleagues or has an experience at school that's particularly challenging. And these are experiences that you wouldn't intentionally put a child through, right? So these are things like the death of a loved one, or if your house were to catch on fire, or if you had some kind of exposure to violence or abuse. 
there may be some growth that happens as a result of that exposure. There may be some learning that takes place after the event that your child will take something from, but you wouldn't intentionally put your child through that type of an experience, right? These things happen to normal people in everyday life, uh, and that's worth noting that most of us have these types of experiences that we go through, but most of the time, parents wouldn't intentionally put their child through that. But when tolerable stress becomes toxic stress, this is when we see a lot of the harmful health effects of the adverse childhood experiences uh, study. And so that was that study that was done back in the 90s uh, in Southern California uh, that sort of exp- exposed the truth that adults who have had four or more of these so-called adverse childhood experiences during their childhood were more likely to have mental health effects like depression, anxiety. They were more likely to self-medicate with alcohol or other types of substances. They're more likely to be suspended from school. They were more likely to engage in high-risk sexual activity, right? And maybe you're, you're saying these things aren't very surprising. Uh, you might say like they didn't really have a good example that was set for them. If they were being exposed to all these other things, they probably might have even witnessed this behavior and thought that was something normal that people do. And so Of course, that's the case. Or you might be thinking like, well, if their parents weren't very attentive to them, as demonstrated by this, then they probably weren't also helping them catch the early risk factors for these things and getting them plugged into mental health services that they need. And all of that is probably uh, true in some cases as well. Although in, in some, the parents were sort of experiencing that same trauma just as well. What might surprise you actually, though, is that these adults who were exposed to this adversity in their childhood are also independently more likely to have strokes and heart attacks and cancer. Uh, and so even when you control in the experiments that we do uh, related to these things for things like drug use, sedentary lifestyle, other types of risk factors for poor health, health outcomes, even when you control for those things, the fact that you've been exposed to these adverse childhood experiences gives you a higher risk of having these health problems and, and many others, right? And so what's the variable that distinguishes between tolerable stress and toxic stress? That's the the key, right? So there's this tolerable stress that like kids go through these terrible things that you had never intentionally put a child through, but they sort of bounce back and end up being okay versus toxic stress, which when you get to that point yields all these negative outcomes, right? So what's the variable? This was something that was so key to my study of this as I was realizing the difference between the different kinds of stresses and the exposures that we go through. And there's all kinds of variables to consider. But if there's a particular variable that distinguishes between who is more likely to have these bad health outcomes and who is not, then that's something that's worth discussing and exploring, right? This could be a magic key that unlocks some of the problems that overwhelm our healthcare system, right? The obesity epidemic, heart disease, which is the number one killer in the United States and many other countries, right? If this were a medication, if this was something that could be treated with a pill, like there would be a huge race with every pharma company trying to develop this medication to undo this harm that could come from it, right? So what is that variable? Is is there a particular variable that we can focus on that will help us uh, get the information that we need? And the answer is yes, that variable is the presence or absence of one safe, stable, and nurturing relationship with an adult. So hopefully as a pediatrician, as a dad, as a member of my community, I hope that the kids in my community have more than one, right? We would we would hope that they would have, you know, two parents and uh, grandparents and teachers in their community, friends, neighbors down the street, all these kinds of folks who can be 
a safe, stable, and nurturing relationship for those kids. But you really need one. That's what the data tells us. And so if we could ensure that every kid had one safe, stable, and nurturing relationship, then we could make huge strides to improve the health and well-being of kids in our families, in our communities, and, and around the world. It could really start making a difference in some of these big uh, health issues that affect our healthcare system. And so that's my mission. I want to help as many adults as possible. And obviously my special focus is on dads and getting dads to do this. But I want to help as many adults as possible have the tools that they need to be a safe, stable, nurturing relationship for the kids in their families and in their communities. And if we can equip as many dads as possible to stand in this role in their kids' lives, then we can really start to make an impact. And when I first realized this, it seemed so simple. Like it, it, it blew my mind just how simple it was. And maybe it shouldn't have. Like it turns out that if you have at least one parent who loves you irrationally and unconditionally, that that's good for your health and that you're more likely to have a lot of other good things going on in your life. That's why we're designed as humans to thrive when we're in supportive social environments and we do much worse when we're sort of left to our own devices. And so maybe this should have been more obvious in the moment, but sometimes we need that scientific data to sort of prove to us the obvious things that we assume. Um, and sometimes you need that sort of speaking from a public health perspective to like then be able to justify uh, doing certain types of interventions and and trying to to raise money to, to execute on those interventions and those kinds of things. So sometimes that scientific data comes in useful, even if it's proving something that uh, we already know or, or seems obvious. I am maybe making this seem a little too easy and too straightforward, and it isn't always the case. Um, so if you're on board with this and you're ready to learn more, just sit tight for a minute. I'm going to take one more minute to talk to some folks who might still be skeptical of what I'm trying to say here. So if you're thinking to yourself like, man, that seems like a lot of pressure. It seems like a lot of responsibility. I've got a lot of issues. I've maybe been through some some things myself. I'm I'm one of those people that has four or more aces. I'm one of those people who has the health consequences of having been exposed to those things and maybe not having a safe, stable, and nurturing relationship that buffered that effect with me. If my kids only need one safe, stable, nurturing relationship, they've got a great mom or or maybe their grandparents are fine and I'm not prepared to step into that role. I just want you to fight that urge, right? You have been told by the media and others that you don't matter that much and that moms can handle all of this or grandmas or whoever else, um, they can do all of it and and you don't have to deal with what's going on in your life. Um, and you certainly don't need to inject yourself into what's going on with your kids. And I want to just push against that for one moment, right? Your kids need you. Uh, if they have a great mom, that's great. Like uh, my kids have a great mom. Obviously I'm biased. I'm a big fan of hers, but like, that's great. That's an extra bonus for your kids if they do have a great mom, but your kids need you. Okay. My kids need me. And this is something that I talk to myself about every day as part of my uh, meditation and prayer life, right? Like, how am I showing up for my wife and my kids today? And, and I don't want to make that sound easy because for a lot of you out there, this is not easy. But I want to encourage you to take that step. You don't have to do it by yourself, but you really have to do it. It needs to be done. And there are folks out there who you can reach out to. Start with me if you're not sure where else to go. Your kids need you, and today can be the day that you make that decision to, to step forward and make a difference in your kid's life. And every day that you show up for your kids is going to make a difference. So I just want to really encourage those of you who may be 
struggling with this at the moment or have your own issues that you're you're still trying to deal with. You know, in the episode last week, we talked about, you know, the need to put your own oxygen mask on first. Like some of you may be at that phase of this journey and that's okay. Like put your own oxygen mask on first, uh, seek some help for yourself. Um, and if you need support in some way, uh, reach out to somebody who can help, whether that's your primary care doc or something like that, but, but start somewhere. And this week, I want to try to make it just a little bit easier by starting with a concept that will come naturally to most dads out there. Because the first tool that you need, the first thing that your kids need from any safe, stable, nurturing relationship is that sense of safety and security. And this is something that I think comes naturally to most dads. Um, I think um, if you listen to go back to episode four, where I talk about the first time that I felt like a dad, that moment was the need that I felt to try to protect my kid in a moment where I felt totally helpless and unable to help my child. And that was, was really the moment that being a dad became real for me. Right. And so I think this is something that's going to resonate with a lot of dads that you have a responsibility to keep your kids safe and to make sure that they stay out of harm's way to the, the ability that you have. So they need to know that if things are getting really bad out there in the world, that you are a place where they can come and that you will do everything that you can to keep them safe and protect them from the things that are going on out there, right? This doesn't mean that you have to rescue them from every little inconvenience that happens, right? That's not what I'm talking about here. What I mean is that are you paying close enough attention to what's going on in your kid's life to know when the challenges they're facing are things that they can handle on their own and they can navigate by themselves or with just a little advice and when you need to step in and protect your kids from something that's actually dangerous to them, right? And the first step of this is just paying attention. Are you paying close enough attention to what's going on in your kids' lives to know whether the challenges they're facing are things that they can handle on their own or something that you need to step in on? Recently in one of the Facebook groups that I'm part of for physicians, there was a story that a uh, somebody posted anonymously that really has resonated with me and stuck with me over the last few weeks. And it talks about uh, an experience that their child had where they met somebody, a friend at school, and this friend sort of immediately became very attached to their child to a point where the the parent felt uncomfortable with what was happening. Um, and so it got to the point where this new friend was sort of dictating who the the child could interact with or be friends with, was sort of interfering with that child's ability to make relationships with other people in the class or have conversations with the teacher. The child was just sort of very attached to the child of the person who posted this on Facebook. Uh, and the the person who posted it said they sort of reached out to the adults at the school. They reached out to the parents of the other child to sort of see what was going on and try to address this issue. And the uh, other parents sort of weren't willing to engage. They were not, didn't see this as a problem. They didn't think this was uh, anything that either of them should be worried about. It's just kids being kids, whatever the case may be. Um, and I don't know the exact age of, of the kids involved in the story that wasn't included in the, in the story, but, but these parents were sort of concerned enough about it that they were posting on Facebook to ask for advice. And so I think it's, it sort of speaks to the point of like, this might be a moment, especially if the child is expressing concerns about this, or you're seeing that their, you know, behavior is changing as a result of it or something like that. This may be a moment where that child needs a parent 
to step in and take some drastic action, right? So it may be bad enough, again, not knowing the full details, it may be bad enough that that child needs to change schools. It may be bad enough that this family needs to move completely, depending on on how severe the situation is, but it it might take some some more dramatic action, right? And that was sort of my initial thought of like, if this was happening to one of my kids, one of my first instincts might be like, we just need to like remove ourselves from this situation because it's clearly causing harm to my child. Um, and so that may seem dramatic maybe, but I think you have to be aware of exactly what the problem is uh, and that'll help you know what the appropriate action to take is. And I think not being afraid to to step into those moments and say like, it, it's time for us to do something differently. Like we need to to change schools or something like that. Some of you who may be listening to this uh, episode, you might be realizing that one of the threats to the safety and security of your children is you or someone who lives in your home, Um, either because you aren't present enough in your child's life to know whether they're safe uh, or because you or someone in your home are an actual acute threat to your child's well-being. This might be because of like anger issues or mental illness or substance use. And each of these challenges sort of has different solutions that you'll have to pursue. But in order to keep your kids safe, you must start to address these issues and to protect your children from the long-term consequences of exposure to this. If you think back to the original list of the 10 adverse childhood experiences, violence in the home is related with six of the original 10. Um, so if you're you're thinking about your home environment and you're thinking about sort of what are the risks that your child is being exposed to physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, uh, a parent who has untreated mental illness, uh, a parent who has a substance use disorder that needs to be addressed, or is your child being the witness to intimate partner violence or something like that, right? These are six of the 10 uh, original ACEs. And if you have four of those, Without, without even thinking about the other four, right? If you have four of those, then you are likely to have these long-term health effects. And especially in the absence of that safe, stable, nurturing relationships. So this is the first place that I would encourage dads to start. It, it doesn't require a lot of emotional vulnerability. If anything, it requires some sort of steadfastness as a place to start. Uh, to be willing to sort of step in and understand what's happening with your kids and to protect them in those moments when you need it. It can take some hard work, though, especially if the challenges facing your kid are you or somebody who lives in your home. I think acknowledging that and sort of realizing that, like, I have some work that I need to do on me in order to make a meaningful difference in my kid's life is a good place to start. And so I want to reiterate that this is not easy But taking this first step to ensure your child's safety at all times and to be present with your kids in a way that allows you to be responsive to their needs is a choice that you will never regret. So this is where to start. If you aren't there at the moment, this is where you can can start. And so I want to commend those of you who might be taking that first step today. Reach out to your primary care doctor if you have an issue that you want to talk about. Um, If substance use is an issue in your home, finding a group like AA or if it's a partner or something like uh, Al-Anon can be a good uh, resource to, to get some help. Uh, if you need a, a therapist to kind of talk through what's happened to you, right? You don't have to share your emotions publicly on, on Facebook or, or even with me. Uh, but if, if working through that will help you provide better support and be able to 
to ensure your kid's safety and security. Um, finding a therapist. Psychology Today has a really good uh, resource for finding a therapist in your area, and, and that'll be another place to start. So the first tool um, that I'll leave you with after today's episode for uh, raising resilient and thriving kids is that sense of safety and, and security. And so what are you doing to make sure that your kids are safe uh, in your home? And over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about a few other tools that will go in your toolbox that you can use to improve your own skills as a dad and to improve your relationship with your wife and kids. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope this was helpful for some of you out there. Um, If you found this particularly meaningful, I'd love to connect with you on social media, especially if you're new to our community. You know, I respond to every message that I get. Uh, on social media through LinkedIn or Instagram in particular. Those are kind of the two big ones that I use at the moment. And I just love to hear from you and hear your story. Have you had a time that you've had to take drastic action to make sure that your wife and your kids were safe and secure? Did you have a period of time where you realized maybe that you weren't paying enough attention to what was going on with your kids and and they needed you, but you weren't there initially and you had to sort of step up and, and play catch up? I'd love to hear about that and and to share that with other dads who are experiencing this. This is something that all dads go through at various points in our lives. And and the more we can sort of build a community with one another and talk about ways that we support our families, the more tools we'll all have in our toolbox. The other thing I hope you'll consider is subscribing to my newsletter. It's just for dads and it comes out every Monday morning. Uh, You can subscribe to the newsletter by heading over to docstodads.com slash newsletter. Each week, the newsletter Uh, I send it out to our subscribers and they get some bonus content. I write up either something related to the topic of the week or lately I've been getting some questions from listeners. And so I've used that bonus content space in the newsletter to respond to listener questions. So that's a a place um, that you might find that if you send me a question, you might uh, make it into the newsletter as well. Uh, That can be anonymous or not, depending on your preference. And then I also share some things that I'm doing in my downtime to just help me relax, enjoy my time with my kids or become a better father, entrepreneur, all the things that I'm I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. This isn't like a three little bullet point thing that I don't put any thought into. This is like a lot of thought and effort goes into this to try to make it as meaningful for you as possible because I'm really, you know, I know the dads who are subscribing to my newsletter, the dads who are, who are listening to the podcast, you take your role as a dad very seriously, and I take it seriously too. So I want to provide you with content that's meaningful to you and brings value to you. Um, so if you want to subscribe to the newsletter, that's docstodads.com slash newsletter. I'd love to have you join our community. Thanks as always to Phil Raban, uh, who's the producer of the Docs to Dads podcast. He edits all of these. And now we're starting to shoot video as well. So he's going to take on some resp- extra responsibilities there, hopefully as the uh, Docs to Dads uh, YouTube channel or whatever that comes to be. We're still sort of discussing some different options there, but <laughs> there will hopefully be some video options soon as well. I want to encourage you guys to tune in next week uh, where we'll talk about another tool for building resilient, thriving kids. Until then, remember that what you do as a dad matters. Every day that you show up for your kid matters. Keep building healthier dads, happier kids, and stronger communities. Thanks very much. The information included in this podcast and other Docs to Dads platforms is intended for your education and entertainment only. It is not intended as medical advice and should not replace a relationship with a primary care pediatrician or other provider who will give the most appropriate recommendations for your individual situation.